And welcome back, everyone, to yet another edition of Going for Two, presented by our good friends at Home Field Apparel. I am your host, Matt Brown. I'm the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter here in Chicago. I am joined by my colleague, my co-host and friend, Brian Fisher. Brian, we will be joined by other guests later this week. Today, I think it's just the two of us. How are you holding up? I'm I'm doing well. Counting down the days till we uh, till we see the clash of titans between Duke and, and Kansas later this week. Doesn't that suck that we're not getting game day for that? Like I get I know where they're going to Florida, Tennessee, and I get that's a big game, and I understand the pageantry, but wouldn't it be fun to have game day in Kansas? Well, they they haven't gone, so I think that that's kind of part of it. So you know, and, and like, how many opportunities are they, are they going to have? You know, it's like you, you almost have to kind of take it uh, as they come. But uh, I know some some folks around Kansas were a little disappointed at the decision, but it is what it is. It, it will be fun to kind of see Nalen there uh, in, in kind of full regalia for for a big Florida game. But uh, uh, you know, it, it, these missed opportunities. I, I don't know when they'll they'll be able to go back, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We 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 will see. Um, we should we should talk about Kansas here briefly. Like I, I will say this, right? They've got three home games in a row now. They're three and zero, and I, I I'm going to be honest. Like Kansas doesn't look good. Ha ha! It's Kansas. They might go. Th- might win three games. Kansas looks like bowl game. Kansas. Kansas is not messing around on offense. Uh, they have dropped. Uh, at least 48 points in all three of their games, two of those against teams that are actually, we, we think, competent. And they are hosting Duke, Iowa State, and TCU. And if you are able to kick the ever-living crap out of Houston on the road, I don't think any three of those games are impossible. So if you, if you don't get it for Duke, which would be, which would be funny, maybe if, if they're still undefeated when TCU comes around, maybe. Like well, then, then, then I, we're talking. Then we're like they're like ranked 14 <laughs> at that yeah. point, right? Well, I mean, uh, I, th- I think that Iowa State game is, is also a possibility there for for Kansas to uh, maybe maybe uh, get the get the spotlight torn, turned back on. But you're right. I mean, this is one of the more efficient offenses in, in all of college football, which is not something you, you would typically say of, of Kansas. But uh, they, they've got some good players. They're explosive, and uh, you know it's, it's fun to see. It's fun to see some of these these programs that uh, maybe have not necessarily you know kind of broken through and, and uh, struggled for the past couple of years. Uh, you yeah, know, that's really that's, ki- that's kind. We, yeah, we, 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 I, we can be honest about where Kansas football was the last decade. Struggled is putting it mildly. I mean, the it seriously. I, I, unfortunately, I've watched quite a bit of Kansas football over the years. You know, especially on some of those weeknight games that they've had. But yeah, uh, you know, they, they're. Definitely were some some bad programs there, and and uh, you know what they they have passed that torch I guess probably over to uh, to Colorado at this point uh, and their old Big Twelve neighbors. But I mean this is yeah. um, you know it, it, it just a lot of energy around the program, and uh, you know they they coming off the national title in, in basketball. Like there's there's a lot of things happening there in Lawrence. I I on paper like before, before this season. You, I, I, I think it would be easy to say that the vibes still weren't great, right? Yet you're replacing an athlete, recently replacing an athletic director. It wasn't exactly super easy to 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 bring in a, a the football coach that you wanted. You're replacing somebody else after scandal. Your roster is not in a super great situation, um, and honestly, it hasn't been even just in pure numbers. I mean, for most of the last decade, and you're playing in a league where there's no other real body bag candidates like you know i don't know if there's there's not necessarily like a, a death star behemoth all the time you, know, you got oklahoma but um the there's no other bottom of the barrel um they look great and i have said mean things about kansas football quite a bit in my career i think i was looking at this i believe this is my 11th season doing college football professionally 
Uh, I have written, I think, at, at least two stories for SB Nation before the Extra Points era where I wondered, and I wasn't completely kidding about whether Kansas needed to be playing football at all. Um, give, given the the uh, unlikely, uh, the, how difficult it was going to be to bring them to an above-average program. Uh, I am happy to eat all kinds of crow this year, right? It is fun when a team that has been perennially bad breaks through, whether that's Kent State making the top 20, whether that's Rutgers making the top 25. I, I wish nothing uh, to, but, to folks in Lawrence but but uh, but happiness and, and health and exciting football because whether they win five games this year or nine they're definitely not boring and that's you haven't been able to say that since like 2009 i think well and i think it also speaks to just how you kind of got to change your expectations of, of a new staff coming in in the transfer portal era you know that's, i, I that's mean lance true. leipold initially you know brought in uh, some, some uh, a lot of his former buffalo players but uh, you know they, they've taken quite a few transfers from places like north texas you know and, and others that you, you you kind of thought well you know is, is that really kind of big 12 caliber and uh, they've been able to develop guys and, and get them in in the right position and um, you know you're right about the big 12 in particular i mean that conference I would say from top to bottom is is the deepest in in, in the land right now. You know there is not uh, that that easy pushover game at this point. Maybe not yeah. quite as good at the top as say the Big Ten or the SEC, of course. But you know one through one through ten. I, I mean it, it's it's kind of tough to argue, especially if Kansas keeps things rolling and really kind of speaks to really the the bottom of all of FBS. You know I, I looked it up uh, for my column on Monday on Fox Sports. When you look at the bottom 20 Power 5 programs in terms of winning percentage, 11 of them are 3-0 and right now, and, and only three of them <laughs> even have a losing record at, at this point in the season. I know I know it's early, so long sample sizes, whatever, but um, you know only three of those bottom 20. And one of them is Northwestern, which actually is lead, leading the, the Big Ten uh, West division standing. So, you know, it's like, you know, the, the bottom is as rising. Every, every other year, man, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> um, it, 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 is, it is fun. You know, ju- just like in the... Uh, you know, just like what we learned in Sunday school, eventually the last will be first and the first will be last. We haven't gotten to that point here with Alabama, but it is fun to see that with some of the the, the schools that have historically struggled a little bit. Um, speaking of things that have historically struggled, <laughs> I feel like we were just talking about this last week. and like, boy, it's kind of wild to be firing somebody the first two or three weeks of the season. Lo and behold, another coach is fired. And uh, I don't know what you've been hearing. The word around the campfire is like, I don't think we're going to get to October 15th without at least one other coach potentially joining them. Arizona State uh, is your next uh, position that's opened up. Um, her members, you know, was 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 let go on Sunday. I wrote about this on Extra Points in a in a very high level roundabout way on Monday, and I, I think a continuation of what we had talked about here before. I don't think generally it's a good indicator of department health. If you are firing somebody in early September, not because that decision may not necessarily be justified. I think Herm Edwards is it is correct to have Herm Edwards not be the football coach at Arizona State anymore. Uh, I think, but it, it's generally I would say a sign of you probably should have done this earlier. I think there was plenty of reason to fire Herm Edwards earlier, not just for what we saw on the field, but for God knows what was happening off the field with all kinds of NCAA issues, roster management issues, half your staff leaving, um, the fact that your last recruiting class was worse than Campbell, um, and also Rice and Kent State and a slew of other programs that should not be in the same galaxy as, as Arizona State. So that, that's where they are now. Um, as I understand it, there are two kind of big questions, or well, maybe three big questions around this job. One is... Who gets to make the hire? Um, like I had written about, and I, like many others have, have, have said as well, 
if you're firing somebody at the beginning of September, generally not a good sign for your athletic department, you need to go reevaluate some things. Uh, lots of industry chatter that the house cleaning in Tempe may extend beyond just Herm Edwards. And if you don't know exactly who the athletic director is going to be in 90 days, or if there's if there's chance, there's even if that's out there as conversation, that might impact the caliber or the specific kind of people that you that you talk about. When you take a new job, whether that's football coach or newsletter publisher or uh, sales executive, you'd like to know who your boss is going to be, and you'd like to have an idea, uh, some sense that that person's going to be around for more than 60 days. So that's that's one big question, and the other one is how good of a job is this really? And I, we were just talking about this beforehand and I tweeted about it. Brian, I, I'm guessing, actually I'm not guessing, I know about this because we literally did talk about it. I don't. I, you seem to think more about the potential of this gig in the year of our Lord 2022 than I do. How good of a job do you think Arizona State football is? Well, I, I think just addressing that that first question, you know, it, yeah. it's not often that uh, you kind of have the, the post-firing press conference in the 80s coming out and saying, you know what, I, I don't know how, how involved in the search I'm going to be. You know, that, that's not uh, not typical, uh, you know. It's a, a good point. The, the last one I could think of was Jeff Long right after Les Miles was, was, was fired. And everybody and their brother was like, this guy's going to have to get out of the paint too. And he kind of, if I remember correctly correct me if I'm wrong, I think he was using part of that press conference to say like why he should be allowed to be involved. To say, eh, I don't know, maybe it's a search firm, maybe it's my boss, maybe I, yeah, that is, if that's not an admission of the elephant in the room, I'm not really sure what is. Yeah, and I, I've alluded to it, uh, you know, I think in, in our talks on on this podcast, certainly in, in some previous columns, you know, I, I think there is uh, a wide expectation at some point that uh, Ray Anderson, the AD there, is it's not long in the job. I, I think that not only is his performance, on, you know, in terms of all the on-field successes there at, at Arizona State been, been lacking, but, um, you know, there's been, uh, you have an NCAA investigation, you know, and, and that's something that, uh, you know, really the, the lack of oversight over the football program has, has been a big deal. That's something Michael Crow, the, the school president there, has, has constantly referred to as, you know, what this is kind of unacceptable. This is not uh, not what we do here at Arizona State. So uh, everybody kind of looking at that potential for a an AD change as well. You know, they, they certainly have time. That there's a long enough yeah. runway now to where you can uh, probably likely what will happen is is Ray Anderson if uh, if he's amenable to it, likely will move over to more to the university side. He's got you know some projects related to uh, some of the, the development uh, of the campus and, and university side that uh, he he can uh, probably oversee there. And then you come in and, and bring in a new AD, and and that would uh, is at least some of the early talk right now around Arizona State. Get that in place, then you can actually uh, dive deep into a, a coaching search that, uh, as, as we will get into a, a little bit here, I, I think it is a, a pretty good job. You, you look at the kind of Pac-10 going forward after uh, USC and UCLA leave, you know what? It is a pretty wide open league. I know everybody points to Washington and, and Oregon kind of uh, being, being the top two candidates, but uh, the, you know, there's no reason Arizona State cannot be right there and, and constantly um, you know, contending for, for a Pac-10 crowd. They, they have easy access to talent, not only in, the, in that Phoenix metro area, which is growing growing rapidly. A lot of people coming in, uh, some some good high school football play, being played in the state of Arizona right now. You, you can get over to Southern California very easy. You got yeah, access to, to Texas, certainly. Um, you know, I think from a recruiting-based standpoint, it, it, it's pretty solid, uh, especially as, as Western schools go. Facilities are, are, are very, very nice, you know, all things considered. You know, they've, they've pumped several hundred millions of dollars, um, not only in, in Sun Devil Stadium, but uh, the surrounding facilities that the football practice, uh, you know, uh, football practice facilities and uh, some of the offices around there. 
And, you know, I, I, I just think, you know, overall, when, when you look at that, this, this job and you look at what, what coaches kind of think of it, they, they all kind of see the, the sleeping giant in it, you know, they, they see the potential then. And, and uh, it, it's been tough to realize that, you know, this is a program that although these last, uh, I think six or seven coaches really dating back to 1979 have not had a losing record when they've, they've left the school. Um, you know, really it's, it's only been John Cooper that's uh, been able to have a better than 600 winning percentage. So that kind of tells you that, that they are kind of that middling program, but um, you know, I, I think with some with some good coaching, some some good staff hires, you know, this is a job that you can turn around pretty quickly, as we've seen at places like Kansas and, and others in terms of the flipping that roster and, and, and contending uh, within a year or two. Uh, and I, th- I think the, the runway is there just in, in a pretty wide open uh, Pac-10, Pac-12 to where there's not really one true dominant team, one histor- either historically or kind of on the field re- recently. So I think that uh, is, is certainly in, in ASU's favor. The big thing holding, you know, kind of clouding everything is, is what's going to ultimately happen with the NCAA and, and, and what kind of sanctions they might end up getting out of the, uh, that investigation. But uh, that, that could be another six or seven months before we actually get any resolution on that as well. It's true, and, and I, I, that, that, that is a good point. And I'll also say, perhaps in favor of this job, all indications from transformation people and from le- administrative leaders have, have signaled that the NCAA is looking at moving away from things like postseason bans or longer-term punishments and trying to focus more sanctions on the coaches themselves, which theoretically could mean if a decision is made ever, like, who, who the hell knows anymore, that it might not necessarily be as structurally debilitating as, say, a 15-year scholarship, you know, like 15 scholarships over three years or a bullpen kind of situation might be. To your first point, I think you are right with one big but. And that big but is we don't absolutely know what league Arizona State's going to be in in four years as of right this second. If the Pac-10 stays together, and we can we can talk about this here in a second, or becomes the Pac-12, or whatever happens there, if Oregon and Washington and Stanford and Cal don't end up joining the Big Ten in some capacity, then I think you're right. Like there's there's the the historical ceiling and what is possible at Oregon, Stanford, and Washington is not overwhelmingly, insurpassably above what Arizona State could potentially do. I think that's true, but. Would you bet your career on any of those four schools not leaving in five years and then potentially then you're in the Big 12 where now your recruiting territory and your historical rivalries or something else might look different? That is, I would say, a non-insignificant amount of uncertainty if you are looking at evaluating this particular gig. The other, I think everything else that you said there is true. Facilities are mostly very nice. Um, Tempe, there are worse places to live, and there are definitely worse places to live if you're 20. No doubt about it. You're not far from Los Angeles. You're not far from Las Vegas. And you're also right. High school football in metropolitan Phoenix, and, and for that matter, also around Las Vegas, has improved as the population has grown. However, as that population has grown, they're not growing with Arizona State fans. They're, that's growing primarily, like, not necessarily predominantly, but significantly through transplants. Um, I would, I have seen, like, whether it's the New York Times or LinkedIn data or Facebook data, my guess is the third most popular team in Maricopa County is Ohio State. Um, just from bo- both Ohio State's success and being on TV and the fact that, like, the entire population of Toledo has decamped and moved to Phoenix, um, or, you know, over, over the, la- the last several years. I, know I, I, I used to, I lived there for you know, briefly for, for a little bit. I, I saw that, too, um, to say nothing of, of, uh, of other programs. Arizona and Arizona State have mostly not been competitive in recruiting elite talent in this state. Historically, over the last like 10 years, if you're a top five guy, you're going to the Big Ten 
you're going to Oregon, you're going to one of the LA schools. And if you're LDS, if you're from Mesa or like one of the little Salt Lake places, you might go to BYU. You're generally not going to the Arizona places, which then, you know, it, it's a similar situation to Maryland, right? Great in-state talent, usually not sticking around or, or New Jersey for that matter. Um, then there, I think I, think I, I kind of come back to it looking like this. We, we know we don't know what league you're going to be in in five years. You don't know who your boss is going to be necessarily. A lot of big structural changes. Yes, you can look at everything and say gigantic school, you know, proximity to a gigantic city, lots of talent, lots of sunshine, all these other things. There's a reason sleeping giants are sleeping. Whether that's the fact that that generating local interests um, and, and, and engaging all these different constituencies is really hard in a place that's a little bit of a pro sports market with a lot of transplants and people that have a bunch of outdoor things to do. Uh, the fact that this program has almost, at least in our lifetime, almost never been consistently very good. It's been consistently fine. Um, it's finished in the top finished in the top 15 um, twice in like the last 25 years. Uh, the, 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 the handful of Todd Graham years, like, you know, eight years ago have, have been about the historical highlight. And the, the situation is a little bit different right now. And you've had a school that hasn't wanted to assemble their booster community to shoot NIL money cannon guns. So look, I have no doubt that the kinds of people that might take this job, given Arizona State's budget, uh, could bring in a coach that will not embarrass the program, that will be competitive uh, during big regular season games, and could... Uh, you know, go nine and three on a regular basis. I think that's very possible um, and compete for conference championships. I don't look at this and think this is somebody that should be winning the Pac-12, making the college, uh, grabbing a top six seed in the college football playoff or doing anything more than that, just because I haven't really seen anything in my lifetime since like Jake Plummer to, to indicate that that is something that could be expected. And I'm not sure if it's actually easier now than it was in 2002 or 2003. I, I think it's a little easier, and and, and you know just the, especially in the NIL era. Uh, I mean, you, you're looking at one of the biggest fan bases, uh, you know, in terms of just the alumni that they're producing on on, on a almost yearly basis. You know, that they, they have massive numbers of, of Arizona State fans. Uh, you know, in no, that area, there that are massive have. states. One one small correction: there are massive numbers of Arizona State graduates, and as we have learned with UCF and other places. Having 70,000 people on campus and graduating 11 gajillion people does not automatically translate into fans. But not not, not yeah. automatically, but but there is that potential to, to kind of harness that, especially in, in this this area. And you know what? I, I mean, you mentioned the recruiting earlier. That's a lot of it's just down to who miss hiring and, and not hiring the right head coaches. I mean, you think Dennis Erickson's really going to be out, out there working really hard to, to recruit the Metro Phoenix area and, and keeping some of those players in state? You know, plus well, in the, he's not recruiting very hard athletes in, in Metro Phoenix. But, you know, like, I, I mean, to, to, especially in the transfer era, you know, you, you would have thought, you know, somebody wants to leave a, a Michigan, you know, or, or some, maybe a school in the Northeast and, and you're a Power 5 player. Uh, come on down to, to Tempe, man. You, there, there's, there's, there's a lot to like, you know, especially yeah. uh, in coming those winter months. So this should be a, a, a program that is uh, a lot better just in terms of the, the actual building blocks that, that you need to be successful. They're, they're all there for Arizona State. And, you know, it's, it's going to be an, an interesting search, you know, I, I think in terms of the, the direction that it, that it goes, um, you know, in, in terms 
terms of what what other head coaches, whether they're at the uh, the Power Five or the, or the Group of Five level, that might be interested in this. Um, yeah, I would imagine there's there's going to be a lot of young, hungry assistants that that are going to try to toss their names, uh, you know, in, into the mix, uh, you know, and, and try to at least uh, put their hands up and, and get an interview because uh, I think there's 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 a lot going for, for ASU and um, you know for, for the right coach. I mean, you just look down the road in, in Tucson. I, I mean, you look at the Wildcats made it made a New Year's Six Bowl not too long ago under Rich Rodriguez, really bottomed out. You know, two years ago against Kevin Sumlin. I mean, ASU put up 70, ended up firing, basically firing Kevin Sumlin. Arizona bottomed out, and, and now they're kind of back on the way up and, and looking much more competitive under Jed Fish in, in a very similar kind of roster rebuild that, that you'll, ha- you'll have to undergo there in, in Tempe. So I, I think, again, the the inherent building blocks are, are there for Arizona State to, to be a good job. It is all coming down to can you get everybody pulling in the same direction? Can you get that alignment? And Institutionally, uh, as as well, which I, I think is going to be a big part of the search in terms of you know where, who who's making this hire, who's who's really involved, how, how much hands on nature are, are they really going to have with this football program? But um, you know, again, the the underlying characteristics are, are there, and I, I think you know in, in a market this year that is maybe not quite as going to be quite as active, um, you know, this 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 could be an, an advantage for ASU. One last thing about this gig, and then that we should move on. I didn't notice. This afternoon, the, the, the betting lines uh, for, for the early candidates. And, like, I am not somebody who is as well-sourced in the agent coaching world. Uh, I'm, I'm more with administrators or more in, in other places here. But I did see that Mike Norvell was, like, the number one guy on the list. Am I missing something? Like, Florida State's looking a lot better, and that's, I would assume, a, a better gig. Does, does, he, does he have family in Phoenix that I don't know about? Or is, is there, does, does, do you know why he would appear on that kind of list? Well, he is is a former offensive coordinator there for the Sun Devils, so I, there's the, the program connection there. And then I think, yeah. you know, there's obviously, you know, the, the difficulties at Florida State. Yeah, it looks like they're going in the right direction, but uh, you got to kind of remember, at least among the fan base, there's still like a, a wanting to do more there at Florida State. And so, you know, if, if this 3-0 start turns into more of a 6-6 six and six campaign, you know, you might be looking for, for a little few greener pastures. And so I think that's why his name has at least surfaced, you know, in terms of is Florida going to state going to is, – is Florida State going to recommit – to Mike Norvell, you know, after the season or, or kind of later in the season and, and say, you know what, this is not only a sign of progress, we were adding facilities, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, talk of, of shovels going to the ground uh, for new football operations building and, and stuff like that there in Tallahassee. You know, is, is, is that going to be enough? Is, is that going to be enough to for, for Mike Norvell? Or does he kind of look at the playoff path, you know, coming through the Pac-10, Pac-12, say, you know what, it, it could be pretty easy to, to kind of turn around ASU and, and make them a, a contender pretty quickly. I, I, I think that's probably why his name is, is in the mix, although I think you know when, when you're looking at those betting odds, that's really just not even informed speculation. That's oh. just um, you know Vegas trying to th- throw something out there uh, a little bit. So I, I wouldn't believe too much in that, but I, I can understand from uh, Mike Norvell's in why he why 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 that name might 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 surface. You know, especially given the uh, tricky nature of of uh, that Knowles fan base, and, and especially one that uh, who might get involved with another candidate in Deion Sanders, who, who is going to be a, a hot topic. Uh, I think this coaching carousel in terms of where he might land. Um, yeah. You kind of want to think, hey, you know what, Mike, if if you end up finding another job that that's totally fine because we got another candidate lined up uh, right down the road that uh, knows that knows this place too there is so much ridiculous bogus information that that's going to be flying out there around this time of year uh it is the time of year when everyone's trying to get their clients some new contracts and negotiate through the media and uh trying to vet what is actually real versus what is um doing a favor for a source is a challenge but when we're talking about big investments, we're talking about big deals, I can tell you one source that you can always trust to actually deliver on what they're talking about, 
as our good friends at Home Field Apparel, the presenting, presenting sponsor of Going For Two. Our, the, the good brand has done it again. They've released a bunch of new mid-major um, and a couple of uh, less uh, overexposed Power 5 programs uh, on Home Field Apparel right now. You've got some new Appalachian State shirts. Um, you have some new Iowa State shirts, including the angry, uh, uh, I, I think it's a Cardinal, um, with the football helmet that's charging towards you. You've got some really great Max shirts. you got the new Wake Forest, new um, Utah State, new North Dakota State all dropping. I physically cannot buy any more shirts or take any more shirts for free. I don't I, like my my drawer is full. I only wear mate, maximum two of these things a day if I go to the gym or go running. Like I, I can't cycle through all of these. But hopefully, you, dear listener, do not have that problem, and you can find some shirts um, where you can steal some valor from schools that you did not attend but want to wear their shirt because their logo is so dang cool. Um, did any of these, any of the other new ones, speak to you recently, Brian? Uh, you know, some of the the, the the recent Virginia ones, the Ohio, pretty much any of the Mac ones, I, I think, uh, top of the list for me, uh, you know, and, and some of the national championship shirts, the, the, the Pit Is It one uh, that they released a couple a couple weeks ago from, uh, I believe it was the 1976 uh, so Champs. That was, that, was, that was a good one. So. Baby so, Blue is always always a, a good way to go. I know. That's why I'm wearing Tulane right now. That's, uh, that, that's Baby Blue, but that, it's, a, it's a surfing pelican on a green wave. You know, um, I'm... I've got uh, I got my Colorado shirt on, so I, I guess I'm I'm repping the buffs uh, in in the bottom of FPS here. It's, 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 it's somebody's got to these days, right? Colorado, thanks you for your service, friends. If you want to buy some of these, which I know you do, um, use promo code Extra Points, all one word, to save fifteen percent off your first order. Help support the good brand. Help support going for two. Keep us clothed uh, at HomeFieldApparel.com. Um, we have another. Sponsor, I do want to talk to you about here, and that is our new friends at Meet at Midfield. Meet at Midfield. If you are a college football Twitter degenerate, uh, somebody, especially if you're in the Big Ten neck of the woods here, like I am, you might recognize some of these folks who are, are veterans of other uh, large blogs, whether that's people who used to be at MGO Blog, used to be at Eleven Warriors, used to be a, a lot of the other big independent voices in the Big Ten space. Um, they have launched a new college football project, launched to fill a particular niche that's unserved in college football coverage right now, a modern football forum for the exceptionally online fan. If you are somebody that does not have 10,000 tweets or a message board account somewhere with like 4,000 posts, I'm not saying you won't enjoy this. I'm saying that it's a little bit like when I do my Duolingo and it's you're learning a different language. If you are somebody who is a veteran of, of the online posting community, which I know a lot of our readers are, this is a space that's probably going to be at home for you. So it's the it's this forum for the very online fan, people that are obsessed with their team and uh, not so, but not really into the older, really hostile, really exceptionally negative places that a lot of traditional message boards are. I'm a very online person. Uh, I'm not somebody who's going to hang out in 247 um, or on a, on a recruiting message board right now. That's not really my scene either. So we've built a meet at, meet at midfield says they have built a community for fans of the new college football media that's still Twitter friendly, that want the opportunity for long form, serious discussion of their team and a format that only a forum provides. Um, they cover everything in college football with a special focus on the Big Ten and a special, special focus on Ohio State and Michigan. I will be around there on the 21st, uh, which is about when this episode will first drop to answer some inside baseball, NIL, realignment, college football history kind of stuff in, in that community. I'll be popping around a little bit. You can subscribe today, get access, get 10% off with the code EXTRA. 
I will include a link to Meet at Midfield in the show notes, uh, both on YouTube and on this show, the, the show notes on Extra Points MB, which is our newsletter. Happy to support our other um, sicko Big fr- Big Ten friends. Well, not sickos. They're not really part of the sickos Twitter people. You know, the, very online. Yes, yes, very, very online. And we talk so much about logos uh, as part of our, our home field deal. You know, they, they've got yeah. an excellent one as well. They, they, they do. I, um, I, DJ, uh, one of the writers, I wrote a, like a, a, a long book about Warren G. Harding's like alternate history where he's um, a superhero and he's traveling through time and fighting zombies. Uh, and also somebody that can you know, break down a 3-4 defense for you. You know, they are unreservedly my kind of people. Um, there's one other, I don't, ha- I don't have a good segue from Warren G. Harding to college football sports business, so we're just going to drive right through it. I'm not, I'm not, if you want, if you want really good, well thought out segues, you should listen to Split Zone Duo. Alex Kirshner is better at this stuff here than I am. Um, one other thing I did, I did want to highlight as I was kind of going through the news here, prepping up for this, was a, a conversation that Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyavkov shared with, um, our friend, I believe this was John Wilner and John Casano, right? Our, our, our friends that are some of the, the lead writers out there on the West Coast. It's been a couple of weeks since we kind of picked at the media deal realignment-ish space. Pac-12 and the Big 12 are, of course, in conversations with media partners right now. And we're sort of all waiting for the firm details about either of their next television contracts before we can kind of get an idea of, okay, what, are the rest of the, what is the rest of college football going to look like for a couple of years? Um, he shared a couple of interesting things, but the thing that kind of stuck out to me, and uh, I could be wrong about this here, is the um, the idea that UCLA might not actually make more money by going to the Big Ten. You, did you see this, too, Brian? Yeah, I, well, I actually heard the, heard the interview on the, on that podcast uh, earlier today. So yes, uh, it was a bit. You know, I, I think the timing thing is is more the interesting thing. I mean, uh, George Klyovkov has, has kind of gone underground. Really, has not done. I don't think any media pretty pretty much since uh, Pac-12 Media Day. And uh, although he did, it did quite a bit there in Los Angeles. Uh, it, it's kind of been radio silent out of the conference. They've, you know, made some announcements here and there about some new partners in terms of, uh, you know, sponsorships and stuff like that. But that, that eco-friendly NFTs. Yes, they they did announce a, a new NFT deal. Yes, that that was one of the uh, the partnerships. But you know, outside of that, been been pretty much radio silent. Let, letting yeah. the results, I guess, speak for themselves. You know, Pac-12 really kind of getting out to a, a very nice start. You know, outside of that uh, Oregon game uh, against Georgia, I, I mean, the league has has gotten some some nice wins. You know, early in, in the season right now, we'll see as the start of conference play if that can kind of hold up and, and teams can kind of still rise to the top. But um, you know, they, they've got USC there in the, the top ten of the polls. You got Utah, you know, kind of right behind them and. Um, you know, this is going to be a very intriguing Pac-12 season. So a little interesting that, that he picked this week uh, amongst others to, to really kind of get back out there and uh, start talking about those media rights. Which makes me think that, one, it's possible that they're close to something. This is something that Canzano, I think, teased a couple of days ago, that, that some sort of advancement of the story. I have um, not really heard anything super concrete from any AD or any like people that are tied to any of those schools over the last 10 days or so. It's been a little bit more silent there, too. The argument or the potential idea that UCLA would, I, I, want, I, I, don't, I want to forget, for, I might be butchering the quote here, like essentially break even or, or not benefit significantly financially by this move, um, does not pass the sniff test to me. And I don't want, I don't want to say that, that the Pac-12 commissioner is lying. Um, and if we are operating on the assumption here that the University of California regents might impose some sort of tax or penalty um, meant to uh, financially support the Cal system for, for you know, taking away money from their TV rights, 
then maybe I'm listening. You're right, because obviously your travel expenses are going to go up. Your uh, sport sponsorship uh, is, and how you fund some of the other sports, potentially changing the lineup of sports. Th- those all things may go up here. It is hard for me to wrap my head around adding 25, 30, maybe more million dollars in television and conference distribution money annually and not come out ahead financially unless you are just her- either horrific at managing money or that they have access to some data that I guess folks in Westwood don't seem to have either. What, what, what did you make from hearing that? I, I think, again, reaffirming the, the timing is interesting here. There's another Regents meeting for the UC system that is right. going to discuss this issue on Thursday, I believe it is. So uh, that, to me, is is the kind of, well, maybe that's an interesting comment to kind of slip in there ahead of, of that meeting. And uh, I, you're right. I, I do kind of question if if the numbers actually make sense. I mean, you're talking about li- likely on the on the low end starting out, uh, you know, $75, $80 million once they get into the Big Ten in terms of revenue. So you're, you're talking about is, is the Pac-12 really going to be kind of around 60 plus million dollars, uh, you know, to kind of start with in 2024 in terms of media rights. Plus, you know, yeah, travel costs are, are increased, but even if you're chartering, chartering jets and all that, that's only a couple million dollars a year. We're not talking about $10 million worth of travel expenses, plus possibly paying that, that additional uh, sums to, you know, kind of the UC system and, and Cal and some of the others. Like that that to me is, is where it's like, you know what, the, you need to start showing your math here because that does not check out in terms of kind of adding up. And so I, I, I agree with you completely on that. I think it's just more of interesting comments. You know, he is, you know, George Klyovkov has consistently said this, that, you know, we'd welcome UCLA back with with open arms. You know, it's like, um, yeah, that's great. But everything I've heard out of UCLA is they are uh, moving forward, certainly with, with the Big Ten move. They're already meeting with their colleagues in, in, the, in the Big Ten conference on, on various issues, you know, yeah. like they're kind of. Starting to get integrated in, in, into the Big Ten, obviously had some uh, you know input in terms of you know listening and what what's what's being thrown their way uh, for for those new media rights deals that the, they will incorporate themselves into. So um, you know it's going to be interesting. You know I I just I, I don't think this is doing anything but other than kind of kind of stirring the water a little bit and um, stirring it uh, as as they can kind of distract from the issue at hand, which is yeah you know, these are very important media rights to negotiations for, for the Pac-12 and whatever that final number is, whether it's from ESPN, whether it's from Amazon, whether from whoever out there, um, you know, it, it's got to be significant enough to not only keep uh, uh, some of the the current members in the, in the Pac-12 interested, but uh, also possibly look, looking ahead, as he kind of alluded to in terms of the cadence, get this media deal done, get that grants of rights signed, and then maybe we consider some expansion after that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I have not talked to anybody, any other reporter, any other administrator, any other attorney um, that expects the Pac-12 to stay at 10. The question has been more, do you refill this completely through the Mountain, the Mountain West Conference? Do you potentially make a run at SMU? Do you potentially, which I mean, you know, maybe listen for, as a Dallas as a Dallas native, somebody who's born in Dallas. I just do not get the the mix in terms of SMU. I understand from from an academic standpoint that is the top you know kind of university out out there on the board uh, in in North Texas. You know, they're not too far out from you know the Texas and Texas A and M's of the world in terms of those like U S news rankings and all that. But um, you know, SMU is just a, a small fan base and uh, is they, in shambles right now, and they just do not move the needle in that DFW market. Um, you no, know, they're I think like t- the seventh biggest deal in Dallas or like maybe worse depending on how well the wings are doing like that's it's not as big of a deal 
And, and you know, again, it's just a small private school, and and they've punched above their weight. You know, certainly they were. Uh, you you go back, they 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 are really in, in, ingrained in in college football history, given uh, some of the the teams that they used to have back in the eighties and whatnot. But basically, since the Southwest Conference break up, broke up, you know, they've not really kind of been there. And uh, these last, really, the last ten years or so, since kind of June Jones took over initially, um, this is the, their most successful area since the uh, the eighties. So this is um, you know, as, as much as people might want to try to will this, you know, the uh, SMU into the Pac-12 from a from a travel standpoint from from just really kind of throwing everything in there they're just not it doesn't seem like a, a right fit for for what the Pac-12 wants to be and plus again SMU although not a religious institution like BYU and Baylor are religious institutions still not organizationally institutionally set up the same way secular schools are I I get it I'm just I'm there's 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 a, a wide net Right. And many of the same assumptions that maybe we would have had circa 2003, not automatically in play here because San Diego State would have been laughably ruled out three years ago. But now that seems almost a shoe in for whenever this league does potentially expand. Um, I know that he has been adamant that nobody from this conference is going to the Big 12. And I am inclined to believe him so long as the conference continues to exist. If Oregon and Washington leave, like, brother, all bets are off. And, I, and you, you, can't, you can't say any of that. Uh, I, the one kind of thing to kind of put a bow on all this is I remember, I want to say it was like two months ago, or, or right around when media day was. And he, he, he was pretty explicit about, like, yeah, you know, the Pac-12 presidents, the Pac-12 institutions are tampering with our schools. And they're reaching out to our schools, and they're, 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 and they're trying to get them to leave, and they're trying to sow this instability. Just for, you know, as soon as I saw that comment, I hopped in the foil mobile. And I'm not saying that that stuff didn't happen. And on some level, those kind of conversations through third parties and through consulting groups and whatever, like outside of my reach, sure. But for what it's worth, um, both Arizona and Utah have told me that there are no communications, email or text message from any Pac-12 president to anybody at those universities in like the last four months. So, I don't, you know, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that I... Uh, the the um, aggressiveness and defensiveness from this particular camp and the places where they that camp talks the most are notable. Just like I think we could think of a couple other outlets or individuals that are talking primarily to people on the Pac-12, the Big 12 side, uh, or or who are trying to post their way into the conference doing something or another, getting other things out. Uh, like with coaching silly season, media deal and realignment silly season. It's really hard to get accurate and trustworthy information because the people who have the actual info are only talking if they feel like they have something to benefit from or gain by sharing it. And I say this not to criticize anybody because I'm going to tell you guys a little bit of a secret as someone that's broken a couple of these deals. That's part of why people talk to me too. And like, you know, I do my, I do my best not to be a PR person, but um, – Somebody is, is more likely to talk to me if they think that by talking to me it might benefit them or their institutions or their brand in some way or they feel like they don't have a choice. So just something to think about as a consumer uh, when you are uh, evaluating what the Pac-12 or Big 12 will or won't do or will or won't, won't sign in the next two weeks. Sound fair? I, I think so, and I think it's going to be just kind of interesting to see this play out against the backdrop of the season. Usually, a lot of this stuff ends up happening over the summer. You, you kind of get it taken care of by the, by the season, but uh, that is not the case in, the, in terms of the Pac-12 and you know the Big 12 shortly after it. And, and I think it is also important to kind of keep in mind that the the Pac-12 is in, in a much more unique position just in terms of these media rights negotiations. You know, they have yeah, they the Pac-12 networks. Stuff. You know, that that kind of content, they're free to talk with with anybody. So, um, you know, you might be in a quote unquote exclusive negotiating window. I, I 
George Klyovkov really kind of demurred and, and, and kind of downplayed the, the fact that uh, whether the conference was in one or not with ESPN and Fox, which is their current first in, uh, first tier media partners, it doesn't really matter because the, they because of the Pac-12 networks and the content that they have on there, they, they can really kind of talk with anybody. Those those agreements do run until uh, 2024, but you know they, they can still uh, open them up uh, pretty pretty easy compared to some of those first and second tier ones. So um, you know it, 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 it's going to play out. I, I do think the the timing again of him speaking is notable. I think that is an indication that we're at least getting down to kind of the the, the last couple of days. But uh, truthfully, a lot of these these agreements, you know, you're having lawyers negotiate it right up to kind of announcement time, and, and sometimes even beyond that. You know, in terms of actually finalizing some of the details. But uh, who the partners might be, and maybe some rough estimates in, in terms of the money. Maybe that is is kind of around the corner. We will share more information, whether that's in this show or on Extra Points or Collegiate Sports Connect, as soon as we get it and as soon as it's credible and as soon as it's like something that, that advances. Um, I know there is a portion of our, of our audience and a portion of my readership who I love very deeply and they are they're just realignment degenerates and they are trying to parse through every tiny little thing that's being said. I don't have an an- like the answer for you right now. I'm trying. I'm also chasing like seven other things and... You know, it's been silent on, on on all parties here for the past couple of days. But you're right, something worth monitoring. Just like it's worth monitoring if anybody else gets fired this weekend or next weekend. But um, I think we could probably think of like two or three schools that are absolutely on any day now. Watch. We'll see what happens on Saturday. If you, I are mean, uh, who 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 we got? Uh, I'm sure there's odds for this, but I, I'm, I'm oh. just kind of curious. Do you, do you think we'll we'll go three for three uh, in terms of power uh, five firings? I don't know about you know what I'm going to do the the tried and true um, excellent college sports podcast thing right here real quick. I'm going to go check schedules. Because um, I I know just uh, speaking of Colorado, since I got the shirt on today from Home Field yeah. Apparel, you know, like they the 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 great uh, AD support state statement came out uh, Sunday. You know, very disappointed from from Rick George mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the program. But you know, what? Carl Durrell's bio not quite. You know, it's 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 not it's it's hefty, but it's not that hefty if if you if you know what I mean. So I, I think that's you know a what, possible you know situation. What, yeah, I know I, what I took from that statement, and this might have been a little bit uncharitable. Was more of y'all, you got to pay up. Like more more than we are definitely committed to the Durrell administration for the next four years. It would be more like I'm very disappointed. And if three of you happen to open up your checkbooks and drop four hundred thousand dollars each, maybe this is something that could be expedited a little bit faster because that roster for this season looks absolutely overmatched. Well, and 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 to be fair, you know Colorado back when they hired Carl Durrell were kind of held over the coals there in terms of yep. you know just the timing when when Mel Tucker left and all that. Uh, you're in the middle of really, you know, he kind of took over right before the pandemic hit. So it's like it, it's not been the gr- the greatest start. But outside of, you know, kind of the 2020 season where, where they uh, managed to kind of sneak into uh, Pac-12 contention, it's just the, the roster has not been there. And, and you know, I think a lot of folks w- would love to see that CU program, especially if you were uh, watching a lot of college football back in the 90s when, when they were good. Uh, or even before that, you know, like you want to you want to see Boulder, uh, you know, and, and the sunshine hitting those mountains there uh, with, with a good, uh, good CU team to, to watch uh, Ralphie run out of the tunnel. You know, it's like uh, people people want Colorado to, I think, be good that are beyond uh, Buffs fans. But it's just like yeah. they continually get get in their way. And it, it's a tough job now. It's, it's a much tougher job than it was uh, 15, 20 years ago. And uh, I think much, just how how tougher. bad it. 
how bad it has been, um, you know, has, has surprised a lot of folks. But, um, you know, they are in a position to, to possibly make a change. I, I think you look at Georgia Tech out there, um, you know, maybe the AD is, is also tied That's, to uh, moving on from that one. So, uh, and, and I know there are a few others that uh, are already kind of making those quiet assumptions that there will be a search and uh, starting to f- do, the, do the early legwork in terms of uh, not only before you actually dismiss your coach, but uh, what well, you kind of got to lay the groundwork for a, a quick search uh, after that happens. Those are the were the first two that jumped out to me. Um, Georgia Tech is, play, I believe, plays UCF uh, this weekend, and in the event of that game getting really out of hand, which I'm not sure that it will, but it could. Um, given how badly that Ole Miss game went, uh, and with I, I think a fan base and certainly the local media, to the extent that anybody follows Tech at this point, I've completely checked out. Um, that that may be a situation where you have to act a, a little a little bit sooner. Um, the other one, just because I think it's impossible to, to fully project what they're going to do at any level. So you should always be, we should always be Auburn aware. Like yeah. Anything, well, I mean, e- even with an interim AD, I, I would not preclude yes. uh, Auburn from, from uh, dismissing Brian Harshin, especially if things go back against probably their most winnable SEC game left on the, on the schedule with uh, Missouri coming up this weekend. So that's, that's definitely one to keep an eye on. Although I think everybody understands kind of the situation there in the plains. Like this, this one's, we, we all know where it's headed. It's just a matter of when. It's just, and, a, it's, so. that's, that's exactly it. And Auburn, like Louisville, like we've discussed before, yeah. one of those places where everything happens all of the time, all at once. So Louisville, another one you could maybe uh, keep an eye out for uh, down, down the road as well. Yeah, I don't know if that is like this going to happen tomorrow, but this season, the season, the other place that I would say be aware of, I don't think it's going to happen this week because I think they're going to win. But if Houston Baptist goes into Texas State and just beats the crap out of them, there will be conversations had. Um, so this is not something I'm cheerleading. Uh, there are parts of the college football internet that do cheerlead this. I'm going to be honest with you. It messes up my Sunday significantly. If that's always when it happens. And I'm trying to plan my schedule. And I'm trying to, you know, Sunday mornings are when a lot of this stuff happens. I'm trying to go to, to do church or do other things. And then like, now I have to be aware of Arizona State. I personally would prefer it if we, we did not do this in week four. Selfishly, it might happen. So we will be aware of that. All these things, when they happen... You will find out about them on Collegiate Sports Connect. You'll find out about them, of course, on the D1 Ticker and the D1 Ticker family of publications. You'll find out about them here uh, later because <laughs> this podcast is not in the breaking news business. This is not an emergency podcast kind of entity. There are a few emergencies where a podcast is the appropriate remedy, and you will read about it on Extra Points, which you can find at extrapointsmb.com. Brian, you've got some other cool stuff cooking up here too, right? Yeah, a new episode of uh, Head Coach U has already dropped this week. I asked uh, Bronco Mendenhall, speaking of job openings, asked him about the Nebraska job, the Arizona State job, because his name has come up, uh, come up quite a bit in, in connection with those two gigs. Uh, we also talk about late-game clock management, which I, I know has uh, gotten a, a few fans out there pulling their hairs out, but uh, just kind of ha- his approach to things. Obviously, NIL, college football governance, uh, we also hit upon. So a lot of good stuff on, on the latest Head Coach U, uh, wherever you get your, your podcast platforms or whether you're wherever you're listening to this going for two episodes as well. So there's, there's that. A lot of uh, also interesting stuff, uh, as you mentioned, on Collegiate Sports Connect. Some fun conversations on that about, uh, gosh, what do we have this week? Licensing, um, you know, the world of licensing. Uh, we got some interviews about how to be an AD. Um, yep. Some Talked to some folks with, with, at Kansas. Like there, There's a, a lot going on out there, uh, and it's all kind of right there on Collegiate Sports Connect, as well as the D1 ticker. You know, speaking of Bronco, if he did decide to come back and coach, and if things broke a certain way, I think he'd probably do pretty well at Colorado. 
Yeah, that, that, that is definitely an, an, a, a, a part of the country, uh, I think, too, that, that he would really enjoy. I, I think, yeah. it, you know, he, he has talked quite a bit on the on the podcast about, you know what, those bo- those bottom programs that, that do take a lot of rebuilding work, that, that's what he likes. You know, that is kind of one of the reasons that he got attracted to Virginia. And, and I think, um, you know, Col- a job yeah. like Colorado, I, I can definitely understand. I mean, he, he grew up in Utah, obviously coached at BYU, but, you know, he's been around the country, um, you know, was at uh, New Mexico for, for a long time, one of the least resourced, you know, institution I was able to win there with Rocky Long and, and turn that program around. So uh, he would be certainly a name that would, I think, come up in the mix for, for a job like Colorado. I when I think about him of a place that where you have a longer leash and is also academically oriented. Colorado is yep. a great school. Um, I would be a place, you know, given how I've heard him talk about Virginia and some of the things that he liked about BYU, I could see him fitting in pretty well. If, if, if David Shaw left, I think you could probably do well at Stanford. Or he could do well fly fishing and, and driving around in an RV. Well, we, we get into it on the podcast the this week as he, he just finishes his new house there in Montana. So he's he's packing up and, and moving into there. But he's got his ranch there. You know, yeah. he, he's he's very comfortable. But he does want to get back into coaching. So uh, his, his name's going to come up. You know, I mean, he, he's one of the you, you look at the Tom Herman's out in the world. You got Dan Mullen. Uh, both both of them are, are TV analysts. So there are some options if the 80s want to kind of move quickly. And, and like we said uh, a couple times on this podcast, if they want to kind of pull the Clay Helton where you hire somebody maybe early November, kind of before the, the portal really hits where you can kind of self-evaluate a program there's, there's actually some some decent candidates out there if, if you want to kind of go that route and instead of hiring somebody that is currently in a job or, or maybe is an assistant at a different program yeah a great point um a very opportune time to be regularly talking here to, uh, to mr mendenhall you can find all of that on those other platforms we'll have that there in the show notes we'll catch up with you with i think a fun very going for two-ish special guest later this week thanks for listening everybody we'll catch up with you all soon